We're going to go to a very familiar story that I never get tired of preaching about. It's one of my favorite stories. And uh, I think that we're just going to OD on Revelation this morning. Uh, I I tell you what, God just uh, opened up the heavens uh, this week on my life, and I'm just excited about this word. We're going to Luke, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. I'm going to be reading out of the American Standard Version this morning, uh, so we're not putting that on the screen today since we do not have that available to us at this time. Um, but uh, you can follow along in whatever version that you study God's Word out of, or you can just listen very closely. I like some of the English words uh, that this particular uh, version uses uh, to translate uh, the Greek. Uh, So uh, we're just going to jump in here, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and read through verse 24, uh, the American Standard Version this morning. And he, he being Jesus, said... A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of thy substance that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous or wild living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that country, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine or hogs or pigs. And he would vain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. But when he came to himself, When he came to his senses, when he came to his right mind, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of the hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet afar off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring that is the signet ring. The buying power of the father on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to be merry. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? Notice that as this story unfolds, And the father begins to divide his substance, his wealth, and begins to give his younger son and the elder son their portion, their inheritance. And then right after this happens, the younger son, it says, he goes to a far country. And some translations may say a distant place. A distant land. Uh, 
here's the thing. This younger son had to distance himself from his father before he could do what he was about to do with his inheritance. I can remember the times growing up that I had to put some space, some distance between my dad and myself. Because what I was about to do, I would never do if I was close by him. And I can remember the same thing with my children. They had to put some space. They had to put some distance. They had to get far away from dad, Karen and Michael and Stephen. They had to get far away from me before they were able to do some of the stuff that they did because they knew, they understood that as long as they were in my presence, as long as they were close to me, they could never do what they were doing. Here's the thing. We can save ourselves a lot of consequences. And we can save ourselves from doing a lot of junk. And reaping a lot of bad stuff if we'll only stay close to the Father. Think about it. One simple little Moved by us. Just stay close to the Father. And a lot of junk will not happen. And we'll save ourselves from reaping a lot of bad consequences. Just by that one little move. Stay close to the Father. Now, even though this son traveled far away, I believe the father still showed up and found him in this distant land. We're going to get there now. I I know that's kind of hard to see. Was the father the wild living? No. Was the father the pigs? Nope. Was the father the hiring farmer? Nope. Was the father the selfish, ungiving people in that country? No. I believe the father in this far off place showed up as the famine. It was the famine that brought him back home and into the Father's arms again, into close fellowship, into intimacy. The biggest factor for me believing this famine was another dimension of the Father wasn't because the famine brought the prodigal son back to a close fellowship with the Father, but it was the timing of the appearance of this famine. 
Notice, as soon as his money runs out, the famine shows up. Not early. Didn't get there early so he could start reserving his funds. It didn't get there too late where he could reestablish himself before the famine hit. But it was right on time. Only the Father has such perfect timing. Only the Father has such perfect timing. But you're still having a little trouble believing this, so let's just take it a little closer as God just drops a bomb on us this morning. The son confesses to the father, I have sinned in your sight. Hmm. I guess he was there. I have sinned in your sight. I have sinned in your sight. Sometimes the Father just simply doesn't look like the Father. I'm sure when this famine approached, it didn't look like the Father. You ever experience God in some forms that he didn't look like God? Yeah, we all have. The reason being is that most of the times when the Father we recognize shows up and catches us in the nakedness of our bath, we run and hide from Him. What did Adam and Eve do? God shows up in the cool of the day for fellowship. And in the nakedness of their bath, they hide. So the father shows up here in this faraway country in this famine. Because we're just really good about justifying the transparent waste of our lives. And so God just simply disguises himself at time. So that he can begin a work in us. Yet. And you see, sometimes it's just a certain area of our life which is drifted off course. And it's just gotten a little outside of God's will for our lives. You know, you get one degree off destiny, you'll never get to destiny. You get a 32nd degree off destiny. And you won't reach destiny. And that's why God is constantly trying to get us back and keep us in his perfect and divine will. And trying to keep us close to himself because his plans are so great and so wonderful and so beautiful for our lives. We get saved. And so many get saved and we begin to live out our lives in this plan of salvation. And sometimes there's just places that get out of whack. And God just needs to tweak them 
we're the clay, he's the potter. And they just need to be tweaked by the Father. And I'm not trying to get legalistic on us this morning. I'm just trying to be realistic. You know? Just realistic with us. How many likes God to be real with them? Amen. And sometimes we get a little antsy and we get a little nervous when God starts talking to us like this. You know, when he starts showing up in the voice of the voice. Oh, God, I didn't expect you to be here this morning. I thought it was three songs of poem and out of here. But we begin to drift and we begin to get distance between us and God and God is trying to reconnect us and I know that the enemy tries to make a mountain out of a mohill and convince us we're just too far gone with his no hope for you lie you ever get that Uh, no hope for you lie or that deception that God really doesn't care about that part of your life Just do with it whatever you want to that God doesn't care about. I want to tell you what, there's not a portion of your life that God doesn't care about and doesn't want to be intimately connected with. If you're scrubbing your toilet at home, God wants to be intimately connected with you. Absolutely he does. You see, we don't have to get to the place of the demon-possessed man living in the cemetery before God shows up wanting to do some house cleaning. You know, a a lot of us, we we try to label bad and good, and we try to label sin, and, and we just try to categorize everything. And as long as it's not in the top ten... We feel we're okay and we're safe. What did the rich young ruler? Well, you know, keep the commandments. Love and honor your mom and dad, you know. Right on down and I've done all that. There's one thing that you lack if you want to be perfect. He said, sell. See, this, this young man had put his trust in money. He said, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and come follow me. Our flesh don't like to hear that. Our flesh don't like to hear that. Phil, man, you've been watching way too much Duck Dynasty. I don't know where that came from. But God is wanting 
You know, the Bible tells us it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You know, when you begin to, to produce fruit and your life just begins to blossom with, with the beauty of the fruit of the Spirit, it's just it's those little things that will come in and steal the blessings of God and your harvest. He says to cast off every weight of sin that so easily besets you. Just those little things that, that, that we ignore at times or, or Satan deceives or lies to us in. We can all improve areas of our lives and that's what God is trying to do. He, he makes a promise to us that he's going to finish the good work that he started in us. How long is that going to take? He says right up to when Jesus comes back. So he's, he's working on all of it. He's working on me. I, I'm, God's preaching to me this morning. He's speaking to my life. He's talking to me. Even the Apostle Paul that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he's sitting there talking to the Philippians and he says, not that I've attained all of this. He said, but I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for it. I'm, I'm pressing towards it. I'm striving for it. I haven't gotten there yet. So God is just wanting us to be pliable, to be teachable. Because he loves us so much. We can all be better people. In our, in our homes, in our church, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our family. I mean, can you think about what an awakening and a revival that, that we would see if, if we would just take on a, a, a teachable spirit. And we would just begin to be pliable. In our defense, you know, and our claws wouldn't come out, you know, <laughs> When God shows up looking like Emily. Or God shows up looking like this 83-year-old retired pastor. Or God shows up looking like this teenager, Jordan, back here. You ain't going to tell me anything. I've been on this earth for 53 years. Hey, if God can try to teach through a donkey, he can teach through any of us. Jesus looked at them religious people and said, you stiff-necked generation. We need to just get up to Gym 101 and just loosen up a little bit. around it's it's okay amen god is on your side he's on our side he's he set us free he's not trying to bring us into bondage he set us free he gave his life to set us free he's not trying to enslave us again he's trying to bring out the very mm, the very 
essence of himself that resides in us. Glory to God. Listen. It was very apparent that this young man was a son. It is also very apparent the son had truth in his heart. I want you to look at the characteristics of this guy that needed some restoration, it needed some transformation, it needed some healing. Look at him. He's a son. He has truth in his heart. He knew the father was more than enough, had more than enough. He knew he was starving. He knew he had done wrong and was sinful. He remembered how to get back to the Father, and he knew his Father would be there. I don't know how long he had been gone, but he knew his Father would be there. How did he know? I don't know how he knew that. The same way you and I know that our Father is always going to be there. This is what this is all about. The Father will always be there. You see, most of the time, we look at things like a famine as a bad thing. A consequence for our mistake. And what we try to do is we try to pray it out of our lives. Sometimes it's a person. We try to pray a person out of our life. Oh, that person is about to get on my last nerve. Well, that's good. Then it's almost over. And we try to pray it out of our lives. Or, 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 or you know, the cupboard begins to get a little bare. Whatever. But every once in a while, if we'll pause and look real carefully at the famine or the situation, we'll see the Father. Just, you know, I I know we live in a push-button society. I know life is like a microwave. But if we'll just pause and look real carefully at a lot of the circumstances and situations and places we find ourselves in, the famine, we'll see the Father. Every so often, like I said, he just disguises himself so he can sneak up on us unaware for the purpose of getting us close to him again. Now, this son is in the pig pen and he's writing his speech out. He's at the very lowest point of his life. I don't know how many millions of dollars he's just wasted on wild living. But the man is bankrupt. He's broke. He needs... The Dave Ramsey. (laughs) Financial. University. I don't know. Maybe he'll show up this afternoon. But he's at the lowest point of his young life. Just think about it. He's just wasted his complete inheritance. Nobody around him is having any sympathy or pity or compassion for him. Nobody is giving, not even a crumb. 
And now he's joined himself to the lowest, dirtiest, most unclean job available for him at that time. Feeding pigs. Feeding pigs. And he's sitting there in the slop, in the mire, with nothing, just the rags on his back. And he's writing his speech out. He's came to his right mind. He's came to his right senses. And he writes his speech out. And I can just imagine him walking down the road like a vagabond. Maybe he's got a stick with a little bag on it. I don't know. He's just rehearsing. Dad, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of the hired servants. Dad, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. No more worthy to be called thy son. Just make me like one of the hearts. I mean, he's rehearsing it. He doesn't want to get the paper out of his back pocket and unfold it and read it. He wants it to come out of his heart. He's just rehearsing this over and over and over again. Notice something about this speech. The speech was originally birthed out of conviction. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. But all of a sudden after that, it turns south with condemnation, guilt, and unworthiness. I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. David wrote in Psalm 51, against you and you only, God, have I sinned. But all of a sudden... Boy, he's fighting. I mean, his, the enemy is out to stop him. He doesn't want him to get close to the Father again. I want to tell you what, all hell is against your mind and your heart and your spirit this morning. It's trying to steal what God is wanting to do in your life. I want to tell you what, I'm thrilled to death to have you sitting here in these chairs this morning. And I feel honored and privileged to be able to speak into your life. But this is more than a message. This is an eternal word from God. Reaching out to people that he loves dearly. That he gave and shed his blood for. And he wants more out of your life. He wants more out of your life. We need each other. We all need to get this this morning. We all need to get this this morning. So all of a sudden, it turns south with condemnation, guilt, and unworthiness. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? You know, the famine comes, it's all my fault. I didn't pray enough this past week. I didn't read enough scripture. I got mad and kicked the pooch. I yelled at my wife. I disobeyed my mama. I told a lie. See, the, the enemy's always going to try to bring up your past when you try to begin to get close to the Father. When you try to reestablish your relationship, when you begin to close the distance to reconnect with God, Enemy's always going to bring up your face. He's going to try to turn your speech that you're about to give to the Father south with guilt, unworthiness, and condemnation. It's one of his biggest trips.
traps, tricks. Notice the wording of his speech. At the transition point of his unworthiness, it has to be edited for who he really is. At the transition point where his speech takes a dive, his speech has to be edited because of who he really is. And he says, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. He didn't say, I'm not worthy to be your son. He said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. (laughs) He couldn't change the reality of who he was. He was a son. He was a son in his dirty, stinking, filthy way. He had to acknowledge, I'm a son, and there's nothing I can do about that. But I'm not worthy for you to call me a son. The fact of him being a son could not be altered. But he never got to give that speech in its entirety. Because his daddy, before he could get to finish it, his daddy interrupted him. He wasn't interested in hearing it. He said, quickly, bring the best robe, bring the ring, bring the fat calf, bring the sandals. This, my son, was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and he's found. We're about to party. Never got to finish it. Interrupted by the Father. The truth here, and as we also saw last Sunday with the foot washing service that took place after supper with Jesus and his disciples, when the children get in the vicinity of God with the stink of hell on them, Abba Father is simply going to love the hell right out of his sons and his daughters. The Bible says that the father was moved with compassion. The Greek word used here for compassion, and I'm not going to try to say it, but I'll spell it to you. S-P-L-A-G-C-H-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. Something like Splanganidzohami. Yeah. Woo. Man. Get Dutch to pronounce that one. Meaning, this is what it means. The father was moved with compassion, meaning to have the bowels yearn. The inside of him just begin to yearn. That, that is to have or be moved with compassion. It's an inward affection and a tender mercy. You see, when the father saw that prodigal son coming towards him, something happened on the inside of him. You might say it was an inside job. Let me tell you, in closing here, it is the very nature of who our Heavenly Father is. It is the very nature of who our Heavenly Father is that causes Him to do what He does towards us, His children. It's, 
It's his nature. I know Stephen has made reference to this, but it's such, I, I, I thought about it this past week, and, and, and I just want to share it with you again, but I'll give him props for it, credit for it. He talked about Jennifer, his wife, is not able to be here this morning. She's having some bad allergy problems, sinus headaches and stuff. Keep her in your prayers that God will just manifest the healing that is in her body. But he said, I can take her and throw her in the trunk of my car drive around for maybe an hour around town or so go get me a milkshake or a coke or something like that and then when i get back home i can open that trunk and she's gonna fly out of there madder than a wasp and she's gonna be all over me but he said i can take my dog put that dog in the trunk and drive around all day with that dog open it up and that dog's going to be happy to see me I mean you can your dog can get in trouble and you can kind of swat it with a newspaper or however you correct your dog I don't even want to go there Lord But that dog's going to come and lick your face and love you no matter what you do to it. If God can give a dog that kind of love, how much more love does God have for me, his child? He would, his mouth, his heart, his spirit just begin to yearn the inside of him when he saw that child that son coming he didn't even wait for him to get there he ran out to meet him threw his arms around him embraced him and kissed him wouldn't even allow him to continue on with his speech and he had worked so hard and prepared for so long it is the very nature of our father that causes him to do what he does to us his children Right can't be wrong and wrong can't be right. Right can't be wrong and wrong can't be right. When you approach Father God, I assure you, He can't get it wrong. It's impossible. He can't get it wrong. Oh, how He loves you. funny one of the guys might have been michael talking about doing a heart work with us this morning i was just saying something to stephen paul the other day about god i believe is circumcising our hearts just cutting some of that flesh away from it he said i'll take their hearts of stone give them a heart of flesh with my name my word my love my beauty my holiness written upon I believe that God saw some hearts begin to turn towards him today. And I believe he's been moved with compassion to run and to meet you. To help you. To help you. Get through. Get past. Get over. Get beyond. 
that that you're struggling with with your flesh. He loves you this morning. And I feel compelled this morning to ask those that would want prayer to just come and to just stand here this morning. If there's anyone. You may not feel that you need prayer this morning. That's between you and God. But I want to provide the opportunity for you. If you're here in this house this morning and you want prayer, I want you to come. Come this morning. You see, we're family, brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. He loves us. He loves us just the way we are. But he loves us too much to leave us there. He's running to meet you this morning. Running to meet you this morning. Find your place to pray. Let's just close out in prayer this morning. A little talk with Jesus always makes things better.